Abel Ferreira's Ms. 45 was released in 1981. And that is not the movie we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, we're saving it because... Um, <laughs> Because I wanna, I wanna have a very spe- a specific guest on for it, and unfortunately, she's not available today. So we are instead going to be watching a movie none of us have seen before, and one I only just heard about. Uh, it's described as being uh, the la- like a, it's a, from 2020, uh, shot in 16 millimeter film, even though that shouldn't affect the the quality of the film. But it's said that it is a true exploitation film, which is not really made anymore. So I'm excited to see it. We're watching 2020's The Scary of 61st Street. Ooh. So I don't know anything. I only know uh, the briefest of premises, which I'm not going to spoil with you guys because I want to keep it fresh for all of us. Um, but it is a it's a recent film shot in 2020 during the pandemic, which we're all still in. Hurrah! It's that by video. It's time to watch a movie you never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, and there'll be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 600 years. It's time for death. Bye, video. Time for death. Bye, video. Bill and Kit and Graham. Hello, I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Graham, saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. We're going to be diving into a, an independent uh, film, which none of us have seen before, so this could either go very well or very badly. So guys, before we get into The Scary of 61st Street, I'm hoping that's actually the title, because um, <laughs> I was like... I, I like wrote it down like three times and I'm like, uh, the scary of, so yeah, so the scary of 61st street, that's the title. I can't remember if it was the scary of 61st street or just the scary of 61st, but we're going to be watching it this evening. So Phil, have you seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Oh, by the way, this episode is actually going to be our first episode of the year. So we recorded a driller, an episode on Abel Ferreira's driller killer to kick off our Abel Ferreira series. However, that's going to be our next episode. This will be our first episode of 2022. Uh, and then we'll get into our Abel Ferreira series. So there's lots of weird time loops going on right now. <laughs> Phil, what have, you, have you seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Uh, yeah, uh, on Tubi, they have Death Wish Parts 3 and 4. Nice. Yeah, so Death Wish 3 was a rewatch, uh, just as unhinged as ever. Um, yeah. I watched uh, Death Wish for the Crackdown for the first time ever, uh, which is slightly less unhinged, but it's... Uh, Basically, Charles Bronson fixes L.A.'s drug problem oh, good. single-handedly. Good. I'm glad he was able to do that. Yeah, no, it, it's basically it's basically like Nancy Reagan's... Uh, so I'm assuming it was through education and... Yeah, and outreach centers and like um, medical safe treatment. injection sites mm-hmm. and things like that. that yes. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> he was just handing out needles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you don't want a death wish. Use a clean needle. I love Charles Bronson. Has anyone ever what? seen Death Wish 5, The Face of Death, or whatever no, it's called? filmed in Toronto. The Canadian maybe? Death Wish? No, yeah. I haven't. Hmm. Yeah, but like Death Wish 4, is, it's a pun title, The Crackdown, uh, because Ooh, dealing with the crack. crack. Yes. Have you, uh, what else have you seen, Phil? I watched uh, the original Night in the City, 
which okay. is it's a wrestling noir. Yeah. Uh, the remake they for the remake they switched to boxing, but for some reason I was under the impression that both dealt with boxing. But uh, the original is a wrestling noir. Cool. I like that. I like yeah. a wrestling noir. It's yeah. great. Uh, sorry, but just back to Charles Bronson for a second. Robert Bronzy, the actor who's basically built his whole career about of just kind of looking like Charles Bronson, the guy recently who was in Death Kiss. Uh, he has a new movie coming out called Exorcist Vengeance. Okay. So it's like a combination action exorcist film, which I uh, which doesn't look good, but I'm just I'm interested to see what happens. I also love the fact that this guy Robert Bronzy solely has a career based on the fact that he looks like Charles Bronson. Nice. Uh, what else have you seen, Phil? Uh. That's it for like notable stuff in the last week. Cool. All right, Kit. What have you seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, I have. Uh, you, you say this um, episode is going to be released first of the year, so yeah, before our driller killer one. Yeah. So um, in reverse, I mean, I've, I'm making maybe a pledge to just watch only good movies this year, and so far, so good. I, I made this pledge in the episode that you'll hear in the future. And I'm maintaining it here in the past, if that makes cool. any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me see. I kicked it off with John Huston's Fat City. Yep, nice, fantastic. Got uh, Stacy Keach and and Jeff Bridges. Just mm-hmm. the youngest looking Jeff Bridges you're ever going to see. Just and a very young Stacy Keach. Yeah, I mean he's he looks like an old twenty. I mean, he's supposed to be twenty nine in the movie, and I'm like, man, you look older than twenty nine. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the idea, right? He's washed out at twenty nine. Yeah. Um, then I watched, first watch, uh, fixing a blind spot for me, I finally watched Breathless. Nice. I, that's one of my favorite films. I love early Godard when he still enjoyed cinema before he just started to, <laughs> before he started to use cinema to punish people for watching movies. Well, it, it really, uh, made me want to take up smoking. I think I'm going to become a chain smoker. Um, side note about, uh, Breathless. So at the, uh, in Austin, Texas, at the original Alamo Drafthouse location, when they, closed down to move into i don't know if it's their current location but another location um i heard the story that tim tim league even though it was totally illegal for their last film they showed breathless and they allowed smoking in the theater and they gave everyone a pack of ci- <laughs> they gave everyone a pack of cigarettes as they came in and i think the the guy the guy that started um tim league and uh and uh, he basically said He's like, I don't smoke, but I smoked a whole pack that night. It was that great. That would just make me feel sick. It, well, I mean, that's, honestly. That's what he said. He's like, one and done. Like, it makes you feel... T- He's like, the next day was the worst day of my life, but it was fun just to, you know, sit there and smoke and watch Breathless. Uh, you just, just smoke without inhaling, I guess, is what you would do. I mean, if you just yeah. want to pretend to smoke. That one took a time I took a drag off of a clove cigarette. I, I was like, oh. I can't believe... I can't believe people do this. So. Uh, then next up, I watched Mean Streets. Cool. Sort of uh, inspired by the death of Ronnie Spector, R.I.P. Mm. Ronnie yeah. Spector, uh, as oh, that yeah. uh, "Be My Baby" is the song which starts off uh, Mean Streets. But mm. uh, it's it's funny; it's just a coincidence that I happened to watch it after Breathless. But having watched them back to back almost uh, on consecutive nights, man, Mean Streets is like Scorsese's Breathless. It was clearly inspired yeah. by the French New Wave. Oh, totally. Um, and it's it's just kind of a cool movie. I think when I watched it, when I was, because uh, I'd seen it before, I think I was looking for, like, I was really into Sopranos, and I was really looking for some of that mafia, mafioso intrigue, and it's got mm-hmm. it, but that's not really what it's about. It's more about just, like, these guys, these neighborhood guys, and how they interact with one another, and it's actually delightful. You see, like, a little gleam in Harvey Keitel's eyes when he's saying his lines, same with Robert De Niro, and possibly young Robert De Niro, too. Do you know that the majority of that film was actually shot in Los Angeles? Ah, wow, that's mm-hmm. impressive. He really, uh... 
I guess uh, the interiors, because it's all, it is a lot of interiors. The interiors, I think there was some exteriors that were shot in New York, but the majority, even a lot of the exteriors were shot in L.A. Like, if you shoot, there are certain parts of old L.A. Okay. If it's night, kind of looks like any city. Well, yeah, and, and probably, like, once uh, that was, like, when Hollywood was coming up. I mean, yeah. they would have wanted shooting locations that look like New York. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, so they would have maintained those. All right. Uh, just two more went uh, went with 1954's Godzilla. Yes. Never seen that actually before. I mean, I'd seen uh, some of the sequels. Uh, Gamera was my uh, was your guy. Was my guy when I was growing up because that was the one that my dad would like record off the TV and show to us. And, and you know, the whole point was just kind of laugh at the little miniatures mm-hmm. and stuff and how fake things looked. And I don't know, like, Godzilla was just a good time. You could sort of see, yeah. like, when things were miniature, sure, because it's, it's in higher mm-hmm. def now, but um, also the balls of that film, just to mm-hmm. be about what it's about. Yeah. It's, like, less than 10 years after those nuclear bombs dropped, and mm-hmm. and also the U.S. Army, which had, like, control of Japan, was just uh, testing nuclear weapons um, offshore all the time. Yeah, just blowing up fishermen left, right, and center. Yeah, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that actually happened. The whole J- Japanese fishing boat in 1954 yeah. uh, got, got, I think, capsized and people died or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's what inspired uh, the first Godzilla film. Yeah, which yeah. is which is wild. It's like a political yeah. statement. I know, well, that's the thing. Like The Godzilla films, everyone kind of, like, remembers the their fallow period when it was, like, uh, Godzilla's revenge and, and, like, when they were very kiddy and very cheap, unfortunately. Like, Godzilla versus Gigan. Or was it Godzilla? Yeah, I think it was Godzilla versus was it Gigan or was it Godzilla versus some other thing where he did the flying drop kick and everyone's like, oh, it's terrible. But it's like that first Godzilla film, man, it's like serious as a heart attack. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's also got, uh, of course, Akira Kurosawa mainstay uh, Takashi Shimura yeah. is in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nice to see him. All right. And then finally, I watched last night uh, an old Orson Welles film I hadn't seen before, The Lady from Shanghai. Oh, how was that? Uh, it was good. It was, it was good. It's a, a hell of a noir type film. Um, obviously, it has the the very famous ending in the Funhouse, mm-hmm. uh, where there's all the the, the mirrors, yeah. the Hall of Mirrors, and there's a shootout in the Hall of Mirrors, which has just been kind of like um, copied to death mm-hmm. uh, since that time. But what I wasn't expecting was that Orson Welles attempts a a rich Irish brogue <laughs> throughout the entire film, <laughs> and he narrates it too, like he's, uh, he's narrating. He's like. Uh-huh. Top, 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 top of the morning there. Faith and Bagora. Batman. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what a, what a pretty lady could do to me. And he's doing it. But, I mean, it, 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 it's on and off. Like, he tries to make it subtle enough, but sometimes it just disappears entirely. Yeah, I, re- I respect or- Orson Welles for his independent streak, but, like, sometimes, like, the only Orson Welles film I've ever seen, sadly, is Citizen Kane, oh, which you, is great. You would like um, Lady from Shanghai, but mm-hmm. d- do know that the studios butchered it to death. It's supposed to be 155 yeah. minutes. They cut it down to an hour and 27 a touch of evil is definitely yeah i've seen point. i've seen the infamous opening from touch of evil because we studied it in film class but then i never went on to, to finish it but um i should i should watch it like because i put off citizen kane for a long i only watched citizen kane in 2021 uh because i really like mank and i'm like oh well, i'm gonna finally get around to this orson welles kid and see what he's got because i mostly knew i mostly knew orson welles obviously He's a cliche of film history, but also from Ed Wood. Like so, that's how I always saw him. Like yeah. oh, I'd just rather watch the films of Ed Wood, another true auteur of the early Hollywood system. Uh, for fake is a favorite of mine. I mean, you got to be in the right frame of mind for it. But, cool. Uh, what about that new one, The Other Side of the Wind? I still need to see that one. Yeah. I don't have Netflix. So oh. I don't think they've ever released a physical media version. Of no, that. no, that's a Netflix baby. They're not yeah. doing that. Maybe Criterion will pick it up at some point. Maybe. 
Um, but yeah, just to just to finish off that, I, mm-hmm. it was really um, you would enjoy it. It's a, it's on uh, the Hollywood Suites. Oh, cool! I'll uh, give so it a watch. Check it out yeah. there. Uh, enjoy. I mean, it's a little distracting Orson Welles' Irish accent, but you just sort of get used to it. And also Rita Hayworth, who uh, for nice. this film. I didn't mm-hmm. realize she was married to Orson Welles at the time, too. This is sort of like the beginning of the end of their relationship. But yeah. he got her to cut off her red hair and dye it blonde, which is a big scandal. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Because, like, actors didn't really transform. Like, they were known for their looks. Like, Cary Grant looked like Cary Grant in every film Cary Grant was in. Yeah, so this, the studios hated it. It was this is done through Columbia, and he got in a huge fight with the uh, the head of Columbia at the time. Yeah, you don't uh, mess Pretty much tanked his career. Well, not tanked his career, really, but, I mean, he never... Like he never um, got that same autonomy that he had with his uh, with his earlier. Yeah, films. and I mean he had and he had to go into like like truly independent shooting things in dribs and drabs, like he did with the Other Side of the Wind and his Don Quixote project. Which he did, did a bunch of Shakespeare adaptations yeah. too, right? Yeah, I think he did. Um, he did Othello, but uh, did you guys know that who finished um, uh, his Don Quixote? Oh, you were saying we. Oh, did I do this uh, last you, time? You, yeah, well, not probably. last time in the future because we're not going to release oh, that episode. Oh, right, right, right. But, um, Well, I'll save it till the till next episode. Okay, you'll find out. You'll have to tune yeah. back in. It was Jesus Franco. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyway, so that's uh, that's been my uh, so four strong films. I'm feeling good. Nice. I had some strong films, some not so strong films. We'll kick it off with. Um, I finally, finally, finally got to watch after years of first seeing it in a convenience store on VHS. When it was where it was titled Andy Warhol's Dracula, I finally watched Blood for Dracula, the Paul Morrissey film starring Udo Kier as a as a young Dracula who's actually quite old and very weak because he's not drinking the blood of the virgins because there's no more virgins in Transylvania. Virgins. Yeah, that's how they call it. That's how they say. Um, so he goes basically, <laughs> um, basically him and and his uh, his familiar go to Italy to try and find some virgins. I think it's a good Catholic country. Plenty of virgins there. Oh, they were wrong. Um, <laughs> the the famous uh, line, because like he keeps on trying to like he basically uh, meets a um, uh, a family that's like on the downswing. Like they were formerly wealthy, but now they're like falling apart, and they've got like four daughters or three daughters or something. And basically, it's like okay, at least one of these daughters has to be a virgin. <sighs> they're not. Um, spoiler alert! But it's it's funny. They're like, what was it? There's one point where like Dracula is puking up blood. And his familiar is like, Master, Master, what's going on? He's like, the blood of these whores is killing me. <laughs> it's just good. That should be sampled in like a, yeah. a hip-hop song somewhere. Uh, then I watched the 1990 Cynthia Rothrock, not-so-classic Martial Law. I've been meaning to catch up on Cynthia Rothrock movies for a long time. Because um, I've only really ever seen Yes, Madam and uh, No Retreat, No Surrender Part 2. Um, which was not very good. And yes, Madam was awesome, though. Um, but uh, Martial Law, I'd always heard as being like a big thing for her. Uh, however, you re- learn early on that she is not the star of the movie. Uh, the star of the movie is actually Chad McQueen, Steve McQueen's son. So this seems like a mistake. Yeah, and Cynthia Rothrock is kind of like his girlfriend slash like part- police partner. And it's one of those things where I'm like, this is a movie about cops by people who did no research. Like, plain clothes, like, uniformed officers... Do not investigate crime. Detectives investigate crime. Like, it's... And there's all kinds of weird stuff where, like, we're going to put you on this case. It's like, you're not on a case. You're 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 an officer. Like, you're not... You're a, you're a uniform. You you stop... Make, you write traffic tickets. You, like, you know, try and, like, serve and protect. But you're not really, like, cracking the case or, like, solving things. And it really was meant to show up 
uh, Chad McQueen as being this awesome martial arts actor. He actually played one of the bullies in The Karate Kid. Ah. Um, but Cynthia Rothrock just blows him out of the water because all of his fight scenes are in close-up to hide his not-so-good martial arts, whereas all of Cynthia Rothrock's fight scenes are in wide shots, which are just showing off her being awesome and kicking all kinds of ass. So, Which is on Tubi, and I'm actually excited to see because they also have Martial Law Part 2, which hopefully they've learned their lesson and put Cynthia Rothrock front and center. Um, then I watched a film that I'm not going to talk about because we're going to watch it on the podcast at some point this year. Then I watched David O. Russell's The Fighter because, oh, yeah, yeah it's that. not good. Remember like, when David O. Russell was making like a prestige film every year? Yeah, but then he, like, who was it? Somebody, like, everybody. Oh, he's a scumbag. Like <laughs> nobody, George, nobody wants to work with George him Clooney punched him out on the set of Three Kings in the 90s. Didn't Christian Bale Christian even Bale, choke him out? Well, Christian, because like he was treating Amy I Adams know, so bad on the, yeah, on, the on the set of um, American Hustle, yeah. and like Amy Adams said, like, yeah, I cried every day, and it was the worst in my experience of my career. And Christian Bale just told him like, stop acting like an asshole. And apparently, I've been reading up on it. Like that's just David O. Russell's thing. He's like. He yells and screams and throws tantrums and, like, treats people like garbage, and that's how he directs. Yeah, I remember, like, even in, like, the earlier uh, internet, like, uh, oh, the I heard days, Huckabees. you'd see those, like, uh, I Heart Huckabees, where he's just yeah, screaming. Like, oh, I hate Huckabees, those were those, what those videos were called. Yeah, where he's just screaming at Lily Tomlin yeah. and just yeah. calling her a C-word and stuff like and that. Throwing props around. And Dustin Hoffman's just like, mm, I don't know what to do. Yeah, it's when someone's got to, like, he apparently also, like, tried to, he put Christopher Nolan in a headlock. Because Jude Law like left I Heart Huckabees to go be in Memento, or some movie that Christopher Nolan was doing, and then after that, Christopher Nolan's like, "This guy is scary. I'll just let Jude Law go." And I'm like, "No!" Like, and then it finally took Batman himself, Christian Bale, to be like, you know, knock it off. And then his last film he did was Joy from 2015, and apparently on that one he got into a fight with Jennifer Lawrence, who was like his only saving grace. Yeah, that's if you can continue working yeah. with Jennifer Lawrence, you can make bank, but yeah, don't burn that bridge. And he did, and uh, he has a new film coming out with. What's her face? Taylor Swift is going to be in it, so oh, poor Taylor. Yeah, but apparently she's cool with it. Um, but yeah, the fighter, not a good movie. Like I was really shocked because, like, I remember when it came out, there was so much hype around it, and it's okay. It's down to it's. I think Christian Bale turns in a good performance, yeah. and that's about as much as you can say. Yeah, for everyone it. else, like even Melissa Leo, who like, and I love Melissa Leo. Like I'm a big fan of her on Treme. I'm a big fan of her in her debut street walking from 19 i think it was 1981 or 82 84 84 okay i was way off but yeah like street walking she's a great actress side life on the street yeah like she is not good in this movie she's just a fake wig and a bad accent yeah straight off her oscar nomination too i think she maybe i don't know who knows yeah not not a good film and there's way better boxing films as well because i was like well, fat city for one yeah true i was gonna say contemporary ones creed creed 2 um southpaw the the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, movie, which was really really oh, good. I didn't that, see that one. I, I have heard good things. Yeah, about. It, it's it's good. Check it out. Um, then things picked up a bit, and I watched Paranormal Activity four, which because if as you guys know, well, our listeners will learn in the next episode <laughs> that I've been I've uh, decided to watch the Paranormal Activity films for the first time. Um, first three are great. Uh, second one's okay. It's not as good as the the first and the third, but the first and third are great, and the, and the second one's pretty They're good. They're funhouse rides. Yeah. The the fourth one, I'm like, okay, this is where the series kind of like flattens out. It didn't really add anything, but it was still like some scares. And then I followed that up with, well, the, after that, I watched a uh, a short subject film for men only by Peter um, by Paul Walker, not the actor Paul Walker, the British director Paul Walker from the 70s, which was just like, eh, it's 40 minutes of kind of like. Oh my God! I got a job at a men's magazine or a you know a girly magazine, and I thought I was working for a Christian magazine. Wah wah wah. 
Um, I gotta meet up with my fiance and her very conservative parents. What could go wrong? I don't know why I went Seinfeld with that. What's the deal with conservatives <laughs> and parents? Whoa! <laughs> Uh, then I followed up with Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, and this movie rocked. Like, it clearly was like, we're the fifth in this series, so we're not going to even try and do the same scares that the previous films are, did. Are they still doing the stationary cameras? Or? Not as much. Like, the, the stationary cameras was, I actually think, was the genius part about the first three, where it's like these cameras are just sitting there and then something happens within the frame. But this one is kind of like what happens after the haunting occurs, because it's basically about like... Yeah, the the mythology of the series is building up that it's all about this coven of witches that you get prosperity for your family as long as the firstborn in your fam the firstborn male in your family gets offered up to uh, as a sacrifice to this demon and although that kind of dances around but like they have to turn eighteen or something and so this is about like the difference is like the first four paranormal activity movies were about middle upper middle class yuppies. Um, you know, living in suburban neighborhoods. Uh, the fifth one is, you know, lower class Latino teens in Los Angeles, in East LA, in an apartment complex. And it's great. It rocks. And it's 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 the closest it's come to like, in the series where I'm just like, all these movies, I don't want to spoil anything, but like the, the evil coven or the evil demon or whatever is haunting everybody tends to win. And this is the first time people like truly fight back. Like, think about being... A Latino teen in East LA with not too many job prospects, you're probably gonna come across some gang members, and it was great just to see some gang members like grab shotguns and be like, "We're gonna f take those bitches down," and you're like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yes, that was the last one I watched, which was last night, and tonight we're going to be watching the scary on 61st Street, which we'll be watching right now. We're gonna take a quick break, watch the movie, come back, and we'll talk all about it. Hopefully this will go well, or it'll at least be an interesting podcast. Hey, hey, stay tuned. If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror. We'll cover all the subgenres, so join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And that was The Scary of 61st. Um, what a movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what we were expecting. I don't know what, what I was expecting, but I, I'm not going to lie, I love this movie. It's gloriously trashy. It's so inappropriate. I don't know anything about the filmmaker behind it who also acts in the film, but you, Kit, you and uh, and Phil or Phil and Kit, you guys both uh, jumped up. It was directed uh, by uh, Dasha Nekrasova. 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 Uh, it was written by Dasha Nekrasova and Madeline Quinn, who also plays the character of Noel in the film, uh, one of the the co stars. Um, who is Dasha Nekrasova? Yeah, or colloquially known as Dasha, if. The, the on perpetually online uh, she is the co-host of red scare which is what she's best known or most notorious for cool. uh which is a podcast of um that's does lumped in with the dirtbag left of like come town and chapo yeah it's this is stuff i know nothing about oh, so even though they're not really left like they've had some uh 
big name guests of uh, varying uh, political <laughs> persuasions. Most recently, Alex Jones, but they've had Steve Bannon on. They've had Glenn Greenwald. They've had Slavoj Zizek. And they did like a live show a few months ago with John Waters. Oh, nice. Yeah. Slavoj Zizek. He's the guy that debated uh, Jordy Peets, right? Yeah, Peter Jordanson. Yep. Mm-hmm. The man we are not going to name on this podcast because you don't get our algorithm. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done like the Perverts Guide uh, movies. You oh, probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. Just, uh, just a fun aside. Um, in university, I took a course called uh, Literary Theory. Uh, it was a third year course. Uh, but I was not a great student in third year. And I had to do a uh, presentation, an oral presentation on Slavov Zizek, um, and I didn't do anything. And I thought, hey, maybe I can just do a bunch of research and wing it. <laughs> uh, no, no, I could not. Yeah. So the thing about university, <laughs> you can't wing stuff. Yeah. It's not high school anymore. And also, uh, going back to Dasha. I dropped that class a week later. Nice. <laughs> and going back to Dasha, people will also know her for her acting. Per- not necessarily this, but... Uh, succession, for right? Succession. Season three, Succession. She played Comfrey, the main uh, PR person for uh, Kendall Roy. Yeah, the one that uh, Cousin Greg has a, has a thing for. Cool. Uh, she was also, oh, sorry. Oh, no. She was also uh, had brief viral fame about 2016 as the sailor socialist, she was called. Uh, like John Oliver did a did a bit. Like she was uh, okay. just inter- interviewed by an InfoWars, one of these InfoWars goons uh, that was like, oh, uh, you just into like, uh, you want all these communist things to happen and what do you think is going to happen in Venezuela? And I think she said like, oh, I just want free health care for people, buddy. And then she became kind of a meme there for a bit cool i I, like it's so weird that like i know nothing about any of this stuff like the the best honestly (laughs) i i'm so like out of touch when it comes to like weird dirtbag the dirtbag left which is a term that i've never heard until tonight um, which sounds like Do an awesome... Do we need a definition of dirtbag no, no, dirt left? No, the, the, well, no. I guess the definition that I think I've heard that kind of sticks would be like uh, progressive but not woke. Not, anti-woke, I guess. Not even anti-woke, just not woke. Well, I mean, like, Red Scare in particular is, you know, they yeah. go out of their way to be as politically incorrect as possible. And but is it a, is it a, is it a satire? Because maybe... They're... they're perpetually ironic yeah these people are irony poisoned that's why like in this film in particular when we'll get into it mm-hmm. nothing can be done with a hundred percent sincerity yeah. you can't. and there's also very they also speak in very exaggerated vocal fry as well yeah all this stuff is going right over my head i don't know anything about you don't this know one. about vocal fry no okay i'm not even <sighs> sure i know about vocal fry what, what is what is that it's the type of you know the type of voice effect um like Noam Chomsky speaks with vocal fry, like the Kardashians oh. speaking vocal fry. Like up talk is a variation of vocal fry. I don't know. Just, I don't know what up talk is either. Is that just like a just like a so when you say it's so when you raise your voice up a pitch and it sounds like what you're saying is a question? Oh God, yeah. There's uh. there are a lot of people who do that, and I always just think kind of like my been, walls are white. I just yeah. always think they uh. haven't up talk been trained well for that although i've never i mean noam chomsky is just usually just very dry i don't know if he i guess he does a bit of that yeah no anyway. chomsky like he writes interesting things but it'll also put you to sleep oh yeah, yeah. he's a good uh like books on tape would be good for good for a nap i mean yeah. very very straightforward very he sober. was the uh, the analog asmr yeah 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 for sure um 
yeah, all all these new words that I don't know anything about because I'm not that. I I always think I'm politically attuned, but I'm more like politically attuned to like actual politics and not internet shit posting is what it seems yeah. like. Um, yeah, well, there are there's a there's a, a mm-hmm. like politics for the terminally online is almost like a different thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm not that. Um, in the special thanks, first one up was Alex Ross Perry, who is one of my favorite filmmakers, and I could definitely see that in this film, especially with it being shot on 16 millimeter film. By the way, this film was shot on 16 millimeter film. I wish more films, uh, like indie films, low budget stuff like this, was shot on 16 millimeter film. I don't know what the budget was for it. There's so little info on this film online. There's a handful of reviews, uh, one of which, Phil, you read from Letterboxd, which said it was. Eyes wide shut for uh, brain-damaged girls. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a two-star review. Not to spoil it, the this movie, but it ends with an homage to Eyes Wide Shut, which I didn't pick up on right away, but Kit uh, filled us in. Well, yeah, I would say that uh, the whole film being set at Christmas, like I was already kind of thinking that there's a, there's a lot of Eyes Wide Shut stuff going on here, and then really hammer on the nose at the end where... Uh, uh, there's an envelope, and uh, a character played by Dasha opens it, and it's literally the note from Eyes Wide Shut that says, uh, I, I can't remember it verbatim, but um, it's like, your your inquiries are useless. Give up give up your useless and uh, inquiries, which are going nowhere. Consider this your final warning. Um, it's the exact same wording and everything. Cool. Let me look it up just because it's such a great quote. I actually had it on my phone for a bit because I um, recently rewatched Eyes Wide Shut. The note is, literally, give up your inquiries which are completely useless and consider these words a second warning. We hope for your own good this will be sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great, succinct thing. And also, like, oh, a great great little homage. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm going to leave. I'm gonna have that on my tombstone when I, <laughs> when, when I die. Just to <laughs> Don't put ask that in, why I died. Yeah. <laughs> give up your inquiries which are useless. Yeah. Sometimes the mystery is important. Um, I'm not sure if I said already I love this film. Like, I don't know. It was... The perfect combination of just like I can't believe they did this. I can't believe somebody is making films like this in twenty twenty. Although I think this was shot in twenty nineteen. I mean, the, the thing is with this one was that it's clear that it's it's mocking the. I don't even want to say this group's name online or the. I mean, like uh, an earlier version of them was the Tea Party. Uh, you, in mean, the United uh, States. you mean the uh, the, the Q and on people? Yeah, I didn't want to say that because well, yeah. well, well. I mean, if we're going to get into the movie, we're going to get into yeah, the movie. Yeah, Although yeah. they don't actually bring up Q. They do mention Pizzagate. Yeah, which was a Q thing. I mean, these, are, these are all pet topics of Dirtbag Left podcasts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like the uh, the Truanon, and the, um, which is a, a podcast uh, just focusing basically on, on uh, Jeffrey Epstein case and stuff. They did a, uh, uh, they were doing like live tweets from the, mm-hmm. the Ghislaine uh, Maxwell trial, which just concluded. They were like in the, in the gallery watching every day. Yeah, it's interesting stuff because yeah. I mean that I mean True and On is not uh, they're not a Q pod. Uh, th- this is a pod that's just investigating uh, Jeffrey Epstein and these kind of levers of power, where we mm-hmm. get these uh, sick, twisted stuff. Which honestly, like Stanley Kubrick, I mean the um, the joke is that he was killed for for trying to expose the truth. But I do think he was like, man, yeah, really rich people are into some weird stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as we learned with the reality of the Jeffrey Epstein case, that is correct. Um, <laughs> In this movie, though, but, all those photos of like Prince Andrew at his wedding and stuff. <laughs> yeah. By the way, good on uh, good old Liz Windsor for kicking Andrew out of the royal family. I mean, Liz Windsor's probably also dead. 
but nah, she's keeping it real. <laughs> she drinks four. I think she drinks some like four martinis a day. I'm just like, and That's... also human blood. They carry around human blood packs with them. That was actually reported in the news uh, when Philip was alive. It's like, oh, they've got blood with them. Just in case. <laughs> Is it their own blood? I don't know. Is zombie Prince Philip? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this film, as we said, was directed by Dasha Nekrasova, written and uh, co-written by her and Madeline Quinn. Uh, it stars Madeline Quinn uh, as Noel, Betsy Brown as Addie, uh, Stephen Guritz as the realtor, Dasha Nekrasova again as the girl, uh, she isn't named, which is interesting that it comes up because like there's some characters have pretty intimate relationships with her in this movie, and uh, at one point she's like, I don't even know your name, and it's like, yeah, like who, what, you didn't even ask that, like you've been sleeping with this person for a couple days now. Yeah, she's only got one set of clothing mm-hmm. too, which indicates that she never goes back to her apartment to change. Yeah. Um, so uh, Mark H. Rappaport is Greg, uh, aka Mark Rappaport, who is also a producer on the film. Aaron Della Villa as the crystal shop customer. Oh, he's a customer. He he was not even he's a glorified extra. Jason Grizel uh plays the ap- apothe apothecary. The apothecary. Apothecary Kirk who gives them a mystical You don't crystal. play enough fantasy games, Graham. I don't. You haven't been to the apothecaries recently. Mm-hmm. It also features Anna Kachian as Yes, okay. So as, Anna Kachian is the co the other host of Red Scare. Oh. Okay, uh, so she plays... She's credited as Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah. But I don't think... I got the sense from the movie that, oh, we just think it's her? Yeah, or maybe... Well, I think maybe it's just sort of like a joke for the people that know Red I guess Scare. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she and looks like, nothing and, like her, But really. she, she kind of does. Ah. She's got the snaz, the nose. Uh, Michael M. Uh, Belandic plays Greg's boss. Who has a great joke about, like, girls, why don't you go play in Pee-wee's Playhouse? Um, with some thick kind of European yeah, accent. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and then Ruby McCollister as mailroom girl, who is the girl that's flirting with Greg uh, while he still has a girlfriend when the girl comes in to say, like, you gotta come with me, because she's covered in blood and there's a whole big bloody mess. So let's talk about the film. It opens up with some fantastic, like, ninth, late 1970s, early 1980s credits, which, uh, Phil, you I, said... I, I liked the title card. Yeah, it was good. Uh, but Phil, you said it reminded you of Possession. Yeah, kind of like the opening credits of Possession. Yeah, I I really enjoyed. Which almost guaranteed it was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, like I won't lie, I'm excited excited to see whatever um, Dasha, what's her last name, ever makes next. <laughs> you just call her Dasha. <laughs> um, everybody else does. Okay, I guess. Even so. though she doesn't have a particularly hard to pronounce name, but everybody's just like it's I think it's Dasha. I, I think it's because when you think about the name, you kind of like trip yourself up, like. Nexorovia? Oh, Necrosovia. Necrorova? What? Skovovia. Um, so yeah, great opening uh, scene. And then we're introduced to our two main characters of Noel and Addie as they're looking at a prospective apartment in New York City. These girls who do not seem to have actual jobs. So yeah. I guess. Well, one, no, they said that Addie, kids, Addie yeah. is an aspiring yeah. actress. Yeah, but like that's a trust fund kid. You're an yeah. aspiring actress because you don't need to get a job. But you can be, you can be an, an aspiring. Dasha is an aspiring actress. This this is uh, her character. I don't. I think she's from money though. Is what I get the sense of. I could be wrong. Okay. Hey, well, no. Like her character is from money, but the whole thing is that her dad used to pay for everything, but then she stood up to her dad and said, "No, don't pay for me anymore," due to something that her dad did in her past, um, which we don't know what that is. Um, and then there's Noel. Who at first I thought Noel was going to be like I thought um, Noel wasn't going to be who's the main character in this movie because at first I thought it was going to be Addie and then it kind of becomes Noel and then it kind of becomes the, the girl the Dasha character yeah, yeah I think that's I where mean, it ends up going but 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it's also like, again, first time filmmakers, script writers, like you, you kind of forget that you need to have a lead character to be the through line to follow. But uh, I didn't mind it. I mean, the movie's only 80 minutes long. Oh, it's actually, by the time it hits credits, after the opening credit sequence, it's under an hour and 20 minutes. So I thought it moved pretty well. It felt like more was going on than it was. Like, it felt like it was longer than it was, but not in a bad way where you're like, this is boring. Because I think the one thing we can all agree on... It was never boring. We had a good laugh during this film. (laughs) Yes. Um, so they're introduced to the apartment. It's full of like stuff. Like there's a piano, there's a Murphy bed, there's a couch and the realtor is just kind of a dick to them as well. Cause she, cause uh, Addie asked like, Oh, can you bring in a cleaner to clean this place before we move in? And his response was, what's the matter? Don't you own a broom? Um, we also learned that this house is very bizarre because the bedrooms are all sort of connected, but they all have interlocking doors where you can either lock someone out or lock someone in. I feel like that's an old timey thing, yeah. like where rooms had multiple doors and ways to yeah. lock people in and out. That's like an yeah. old... That's an old timey thing. It's also meant to preserve heat because you would want to keep the heat in a certain yeah. room and not have it go to another room. Um, which is like whenever you f- you're in an old ho- old building or old house, you'll notice that they like have removed a lot of doors that used to like either separate hallways and it's because they wanted to keep the heat like in a certain portion of the house. Um, so they take the apartment um, and uh, Addie gets the room with the mirror above the floor, which... Yeah, well, there's a mirror on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, above the ceiling. And then uh, then Noel gets the room with the, the Murphy bed, which I always love Murphy beds. I think they're just great. I, like, I feel like the idea of Murphy beds are be- like like water beds. The idea is better than the actual thing. I think they're better than water beds because at the yeah. end of the day, you're stuck with a body of water in your bedroom. But like with a Murphy... Water, water Murphy bed. Yeah. I don't know. That would be awful. You put it up and it's like a, there's like a It would aquarium. fall, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but they take the apartment and they find some weird stuff. Well, they find, first of all, that there is a moldy, rotten turkey in their fridge, which means they didn't... it was a didn't... ham, but okay. Maybe it was a ham. I, I, I couldn't tell. With like a dead mouse in it as well. And it's grainy. And like the way this film... I really, really, really like the way this film was shot. It was mostly handheld... Um, There's some good tracking shots, actually. Yeah, like, I, I really dug it. The cinematographer was Hunter Zinni. Zimni? Hunter Zimni, who... Let me look up what that person has, has done. Um, he's acted a couple times, too. So he's been the uh, cinematographer on seven projects. Welcome Back, Lenny, which is a short film from 2019. Danny's Girl, which is a short from 2020. Let's Get Lost, which is a short from 2020. Uh, the Scary of six, uh, 61st, Meet Cute, which is a short from 2021, The Little Prince of New York, which is another short from 2021. So this was his first. He's a working uh, DP in New York City, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't recognize any of these short films that uh, that Hunter shot. Hunter also acted in a bunch of stuff. He w- did not appear in uh, The Scary on 61st. He was in a movie called Hellware. He was in something called Christmas Again, Person to Person. Uh, those are features, and then he was in the short film uh, Blue Vientes, uh The Great Pretender, which is a feature, uh, Project Space 13, which is another feature, and Stupid Phone, Bergmensch. <laughs> Stupid Phone, my favorite film from 2019. No, um, so interesting. Uh, I, I have a feeling like this, this film feels a lot like it's a, oh, he also worked in the camera department on Heaven Knows What. Which is the Safdie Brothers movie? Yeah. So I mean, it, and it kind of feels like it's this film kind of feels like it's it's emerged from that Safdie Brothers, Alex Ross Perry, New York City independent like 2010s vibe. And I think this film was actually shot probably most likely in December or of or November of 2019, just before the pandemic, because no one was wearing masks. 
Yeah, I would guess 2019, December. Yeah, and then it was finally released. It premiered at the Berlin Film Festival in 2020. Well, when did uh, when did Jeffrey Epstein commit suicide? I'm using air quotes. Uh, let me ruin my phone's algorithm <laughs> by searching for Jeffrey Epstein. By the way, this uh, the reason why we talk about Epstein is like the apartment they move into was one of Ep- Epstein's... Uh, Flop Sex houses, just, just awful places. And we learn this. So they find some weird stuff. Uh, they find a, uh, Addie finds a tarot card in the bathroom and she uses it like a bookmark. And no, no, she uses another card for a bookmark. And then Noelle finds another uh, tarot card in the bathroom. And then uh, when one night when uh, they get into, they go out to buy some stuff for their apartment and... Uh, Addie meets up with Greg, her boyfriend, who apparently doesn't like staying over with her or having her stay over with him because she has boundary issues. Well, Greg, Greg's the normie character. I kind of like, he's there to ask questions like, I thought Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. That's what the news said. Yeah, he's also just kind of a dope. And, <laughs> also, and... he plays this like horny uh, anime game. Yeah, <laughs> which <he'll... laughs> which he literally like his girlfriend's asking him questions and he's like, "Shut up! I have work. To, I have important work to do here." <laughs> it's just like hire this new busty anime secretary to work for you. Yeah, it's like one of those free, uh, free to play, free to download games that that just will spoil your computer <laughs> with all the malware. Um, so Jeffrey Epstein committed, uh, died. Whatever happened on August tenth, twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. So they had to write this movie between september and december of 2019 i can believe that that's nuts <laughs> this, but this they pull, movie has they the pulled, feeling of they a, pulled uh, this but i love it that this, was written quick it's that energy that just is like we got to do this now strike while the iron's hot like it's crazy um again uh we'll get into your final thoughts on the movie later but um and so at this point uh oh the night before they meet up with greg um there's a girl knocking at the door and uh, Noel describes her as being Jehovah's Witnessy, which I thought was a very funny line. I just don't know what that is. <laughs> she looks kind of Jehovah's Witnessy. <laughs> it looks um, like Prince. And then it turns out that that is actually Dasha Nekrasova playing the girl. Um, and uh, and so then it's the next day. Then we're with Greg and them in a store buying stuff for their house. Like he buys a like a a small Christmas tree or something because it's the holidays, but Addie is Jewish, which he keeps saying, we're Jewish, we're Jewish. Um, and when Noel leaves Addie and Greg alone, that's when the girl comes back and kind of says like, oh, I'm from the realtor agency. There's still some paperwork to do or some nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she actually, um, Noel is putting sheets on her Murphy bed and there's actually like what appears to be blood stains on it. And this is when and the girl, some other states. yeah. And this is when the girl fills in that this used to be one of Jeffrey Epstein's flop houses, sex cauldron dungeons, sex, sex cauldron, sex cauldrons. Uh, she has a she has a real um, reaction to it. She has a, a she gags, she yeah, gags and vomits and stuff. Yeah, and it's something. And then her and she basically just starts to explain the whole thing about that. She even brings up PizzaGate. Which oh gets, they get they go right down the rabbit hole yeah 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 and at first I was thinking like oh no is this a pro PizzaGate is this a actual QAnon movie um, and then quickly it's so over the top and so ridiculous that it's not and it's done with, it's clearly done with humor to be like making fun of this to a degree yes I don't know if you guys agree or disagree oh for yeah it's totally making fun of that well yes, yes. okay good yeah I'm not alone 
because I'm just like, what if I show this to someone? And they're like, so you believe this? No, no, no. no. It's it's not doing anything with uh, any real sincerity. It's it's keeping a ironic distance from uh, from most things. But yeah, it's definitely nice. going over the top on purpose. Cool. Um, There's and- also like the bit like about uh, Addie is explaining this dream that she had to to her boyfriend Greg, and she's like, and I was on an island, and there were some palm trees, and she's clearly like. Describing, describing like little St. James Island. Yeah. The sex Epstein's, island. But... <laughs> like pedophile island. Yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff in this movie that's also that like again like within months of it actually, of him actually dying whatever happened like the, they were shooting this movie. It's got to be weird for the for all everyone involved. Um, so then they go back to so then Greg and Addie go back to the apartment where Noel and the girl are now hanging out being very very close. Um working on which now like apparently noel's all in on the jeffrey epstein conspiracy and they bring up the clinton crime family the clinton crime which family is just <laughs> just well who do you think did it and then well obviously the clinton crime family and then it's like no it's probably did you just say the clinton crime family I did say that thank you for pointing it out <laughs> um and then and then it's like no it was prince andrew and his gang and the queen the royals and yeah which you know is hilarious now that the queen has kicked prince andrew out I mean, of the that's royal family just PR, though Anyways, that's 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 all that. Let's get back to this fantastic film right here. Yeah, the Clinton Crime Family. That made me laugh. Uh, or was it Clint, Clinton Crime Factory? I have no, that Clint, written. Clinton Crime Family. Okay, I wrote down Clinton, Clinton Crime Factory they're, for some reason. Of, well, a lot of uh, a lot of internet irony is taking like um, mm-hmm. right wing 4chan theories and memes and, and just, making them crazy. Just pretending that oh yeah, that's real. That's what I believe. <laughs> yeah, kind of, of I, from an ironic standpoint. So that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the humor of this film. This is this is where we also see Greg uh, introduce Surprise himself. We didn't see a uh, uh, Pepe Frog or something like that oh, get God. mixed in. Um, this is where Greg introduces himself to the girl and says "enchanté," which we all got a hearty <laughs> laugh out of. Um, I knew a guy used to do that. Oh God! Just he was actually he was all right. Is this Pakistani guy that we uh, used to smoke weed with? Okay, Yusuf. that's that's a little different. Like but every time different you would meet, uh, meet a lady, he'd be like "enchanté," like okay, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that ladies loved it. But uh, my favorite line in the movie is like, is when the girl says to to Noel, either I can't really remember if it's before the scene or after the scene, but says like, it's I'm not like normal people. I'm obsessed with the political struggle. <laughs> and it just oh oh, this movie is just gold. Um, so basically at this point, Noel, not sorry, not Noel, Addie goes off to Greg's house. This is where we see the weird anime game yes that's clearly just killing his computer and a nice little tablet too yeah doing it in bed yeah and (laughs) And he kind of wants his girlfriend to leave so he can yeah he he also with these girls i also kind of think that's like his apartment is probably like the most accurate new york city apartment in it because it seems like the entire thing is just the the bed takes up the entire apartment and then there's a computer next to it and that's it for the apartment which is like i've seen uh, one of my friends who briefly, who not briefly, but li- lived in New York City for years in Manhattan, and like her apartment was teensy. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, the room's like six by six feet by six feet. Well, at a certain point, even he like is like later on when they're making love. He, uh, if that's what you want to call it, he um, <laughs> he's like his feet are like banging out the wall because he's too tall. Well, he's like, I love how tall I am. <laughs> he's a weird character. But back at the at the um. The apartment, uh, Noel and the girl are just going through all this like old stuff that's like left in the apartment. All these like books on 
Jeffrey Epstein and the sex islands and the sex Clintons astrology and yeah and all that stuff and that's when they find I think that's when they find the, the, the tarot card the tarot card because they're like also Noelle's a terrible roommate she's going through Addie's personal things being like just feel these underwear they feel like sandpaper like very bizarre stuff and then it's this well, and- every time that she's asked like what's what's up with your roommate she's like oh she has mental problems oh yeah what was it oh <laughs> she's very she's a very sick girl and she's always been into the UK been into as in like like you you have a passion for into the uk there are anglophiles yeah. that is a yeah way that people do do describe themselves but yeah what was it that, that the girl said like anglophilia is okay but pedophilia is not yeah, that's, that's a no weird movie um that's where also i think they were jumping ahead but they find the spoon and sorry guys i'm talking a lot if you guys want to jump in i've noticed that when i always edit the episodes now i'm like wow it's a lot of my voice well you gotta you got somebody's gotta take command and, and guide us through the plot of the movie and all doing right that. okay um feel free to jump in at any time though sure <laughs> okay but uh what happens next oh so it's we'll get into this scene so it's the lovemaking scene <laughs> and i don't even know how to i don't want to describe don't want well, to describe oh, okay. this no 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 <laughs> Let's so let's so no, let's let's leave something for people who haven't seen this movie, who might see this movie, and I do recommend I wholly recommend seeing this movie. Ex- unless my parents are listening, in this case, don't see this movie. <laughs> Addie's into baby play. Well, no, the yeah. the demon that's possessing her. Oh, because oh wait, we forget that she sneaks out of the house and goes to Jeffrey Epstein's actual apartment. Oh yeah. Uh, By the way, apparently. which was the real? I looked it up. It was the real apartment of yeah, Jeffrey she, Epstein. She's caressing the the embossed J and E that are on the uh, still probably not anymore, yes. but were at the time in 2019. Yeah, uh, still on the uh, on the building, and she was uh, she's masturbating and. And meanwhile, this is uh, 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 the juxtaposed, juxtaposed with, with Dasha doing basically strangulation, like doing some. Uh, oh yeah, because they tried to demonstrate that you can't die from the way that Jeffrey Epstein allegedly right, committed with, suicide. With the Murphy bed. Um, but she actually was like going to die. But it is like yeah. it's an autoerotic asphyxiation yeah. type thing. Like it, this is all supposed to be very mm-hmm. sexual and. Yeah, we should also point out that at some point, Noel hanging and, herself from the Murphy bed. Yeah. Yes. At some point, Noel and the the girl played by Dasha become lovers. Yeah, that happens a little after that same night, even yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Addie comes back from, you know, I mean they're taking pills and stuff, becoming the master of Jeffrey Epstein's domain. Um, they red pills. Yeah, well, there's a blue yeah. pill. Right. right, they share a blue right, pill. Right, right. And they bring up blue pill and red pill, and like we were just like, is that Jeffrey Epstein's actual apartment? Turns out it was. Um, Addie goes back. The lovemaking scene happens where Greg hilariously gets out of there. Like, is just like, I'm not finishing. Like, I'm. Well, I mean, w- yeah. we're going through the plot. We might as well. Addie starts doing in a high pitched voice like a little child. She basically like, starts role playing, like, let's pretend that we're on a plane. Pretend we're on a plane. Pretend we're it's on a Boeing 727, which is the s- same plane. And the, then uh, pretend Lolita I'm. Express. Yeah, and then pretend I'm younger. And he keeps going, like, it's like oh. oh, yeah, you're 25. Yeah. He, he, and he's like, oh, okay. You're, you're 18. 18. All right. I like how tight you are. He doesn't even know what to say. <laughs> and then she says, well, a it's actually voice. a demonic voice. Yeah, it says "f me" like I'm a. Okay. Obviously, she crosses a line. She crosses a line in terms of how young you can be, still getting f. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a demonic voice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, guys. I'm trying to keep keep our podcast on the air. This is our first episode of 2021. We can't go down in flames already. Sorry, listeners. I had to first just... episode of 2021. Did we time travel? Yeah, this. Well, it will be our first episode. <laughs> 
Um, First episode of 2022. Oh, God. It's 2022, <laughs> isn't it? I, uh, oh, this movie. Um, so she goes back to the apartment, and uh, and then Noelle and the girl are leaving, and this is where they find a spoon from the royal wedding of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson, a.k.a. Fergie, the Duchess of York. Uh, good old Fergie, who was a punchline in the 90s when she really didn't deserve to be a punchline. And, and she did the Weight Watchers ads. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but so and it's at this point that Addie really starts to lose her stuff because she's like touching herself using magazines of Prince Andrew and, Ferg- and Sarah Ferguson. And she's like punching, she's like caressing Prince Andrew's photo and then punching Sarah Ferguson's photo. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... So over the top, it has to be comical. Yeah, it's she's just, also like sucking her thumb and still doing like baby voice and stuff. It's gross and weird and <laughs> truly gr- off-putting. Yeah, it's <laughs> there is actually a surprising amount of like gratuitous butt shots. Yeah, um, during this period too, and it's almost like it's supposed to like get you horny. Is like the point the film makes. And then the actual film the kills it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like this film was clearly going for something. I don't know what it was exactly, but I'm glad they like tried to hit that destination. Oh, I, I don't know. The, the movie's a bit of a mess yeah. beyond this point, but... Um, oh, right, because at this point, this is when the girl decide, uh, figures out, like, oh, something really messed up's going on, like, because they find the tarot card, and they re- also realize, because they actually go to the place where Jeffrey Epstein died. I won't say killed himself. Yeah, so they go to the correctional The actual, facility. yeah, the Metro cor- Correctional... It was MCC, right? The Metro... Yeah. Correctional Comp something. I don't I didn't look it up. Anyways... You can look it up if you're in New York. Um, but they see the roommate like doing like a prayer to the building, dressed like Jeffrey Epstein's or the the 17 year old victim of Prince Andrew, alleged because they're still doing the trial allegedly. Um, they're not allegedly doing the trial. That's happening. The, actual <laughs> crime, <laughs> the crime is alleged. The trial is alleged. The crime <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And they're just, Andrew's going to sue us for a while. Oh, God. I really don't want to have the royal family or, like, some former royal family coming after me. Some, some man who's lost imagine the ability they, to sweat. Imagine they did, and then, like, we go to court, and somehow we actually win, and I become the, the duke of whatever. Like, ha. <laughs> ah. King Ralph part two. Yes. <laughs> King Graham. The duke of... What was it? The duke of York? I Yeah. Because Sarah, Sarah Ferguson was the duchess of York, so I guess... That's what he would be. You'd have to eliminate some people in the way, too. But maybe the sex scandal will take a bunch down. And then you're you're King Graham. Exactly. That's how it happens. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a dark scene. The the House of Shepherd. (laughs) The House of Shepherd rises. So they get freaked out. The the girl is convinced that there's like some weird magic going on because they go to all these places that Jeffrey Epstein. They go to Jeffrey Epstein's actual apartment and they realize that all these things are five blocks away from each other. Five points. On the a pentagram. pentagram, which even for me being a fan of horror movies, that is a reach in logic. You can't just go like, <laughs> there's oh, a lot of reaches in five, logic. Five, 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 five. There's five fives, five points. It's a pentagram. That doesn't make any sense, but I love that they just like tied it to get together that way. It's, it's very much in keeping with uh, how conspiracy theories. It's almost go. a South Park joke, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's like lowercase but, t. But this is, but it's not a. But it's not an exaggeration if you go by like Q. Uh... Of course not. Oh, no, yeah. not at all. And yeah. also, that that's a good point. This movie does have a lot of South Park energy, I would say. I guess so. Good, the old South Park, the good South Park, not the new weird one. Um, I don't even. I haven't seen it in years. So yeah, yeah. it ended in tw- two thousand and seven for me. Um, 
but uh, but basically, and this is one back at the apartment. Things are going nuts for Addie. She's like stomping on oranges and apples. She's like drinking. I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but I'm sure there there's is. something. Uh, she's like again, like getting very intimate with photos of Prince Andrew and commemorative teacups. And <laughs> it gets pretty goofy at this point. Yeah, actually, and commemorative bells. Yeah, yeah that's she's, true. She's ringing the bell. She's. Is a me- something else with the bells. Yep. Both practically and metaphorically, she's ringing the bell. And um, then, so at this point, uh, Noel and the girl go to a magic shop or a uh, magic. Uh, what is it? Apothecary. Apothecary. Um, and right away, the maker of magic potions and trinkets, etc. Interesting. So like they, it's like basically like a full-on crystal store. And the guy there, the clerk there, is very rude, and it's very awesome because he's just sort of saying like oh, like, this is terrible. Like, your roommate is in trouble and, and you're in danger. Like, I'm going to give you this crystal on the house and it's a black crystal. And he's like, but you have to get out of here. Obsidian crystal. Ooh, yes. Another reference to wrestling, the Obsidian Portal were a tag team that famously hypnotized their opponents, uh, which if you guys uh, Google... I remember that, yeah. The most illegal move in wrestling. It's great. They hypnotize their opponents and have a dance-off. And the referees. And No, the referee wasn't hypnotized because he was clearly like... I don't know what's going on, but they also hypnotized all the wrestlers in the locker room, so oh, yeah, all the wrestlers right. in the locker room came out <laughs> dancing. Oh, God, professional wrestling is amazing. I'm super stoked for uh, Game Changer Wrestling is doing a uh, their biggest show ever next Sunday, and they even brought Jeff Jarrett out of Mothballs to come out and swing a guitar. Um, okay, back to this movie. Things kind of go off the rails here. Yeah, I think we get to the... Because the, the, the two girls, by the way, are just doing drugs nonstop at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even sure if uh, we're clear what type of drug. Stash at one point says it's Vivance, just not in its... Uh, and Noel said it was speed or yeah, something. I think it is probably speed. Yeah. So they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're talking about all sorts of stuff. And then they, like... At a certain point, they separate, right? Well, they get... They're at, uh, like, a diner... Yeah, and then uh, this is when Noel says, "Like I don't even know your name. You're just yeah. some meth head who showed up at my front apartment door <laughs> yesterday." <laughs> yeah, and then things kind of go like because she's like, "You know me, Noel. You know I would never do this." And it's like, "Well, this is this is getting you out of don't." Hand. I mean, they have been yeah. very intimate at this point. Mm-hmm. But. So at this point, somehow the girl winds up back at the apartment. Noel's not there, and you think something must have happened. And Noel, or not Noel, but the girl notices that, like, oh, there's all these smashed oranges and commemorative cups and commemorative bells from Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson's wedding. Which is weird, you know. Just strange. If I ever came into your apartment and that was uh, all over the floor, I'd, I'd be prob- concerned. Yeah, I, I, you should be. Um, <laughs> and uh, But then she goes down to the basement where Addie has set up, like, a altar to Prince Andrew and Epstein. Yeah, there's a poster of the one of the uh, tarot cards, mm-hmm. which is the sun, which has a, yeah. like a kind of an old timey um, woodcut uh, image of like, like two children. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's very bizarre. And this is when Addie um, knocks out the girl with a slap, and she's like going to kill her. With a or, slap, or, it must have been a good slap. Yeah, or dance on top of her, but then Noel stabs her. And kills her. Stabs her a bunch and, of times. And yeah, like it's real bloody, real messy. And puts her on the altar that she had built. A lot of wet stabbing yeah. sounds at this mm-hmm. point. And then Noelle goes back to the apartment where she runs into the real realtor where it's like, oh, it's been done and it's fine. And he leaves. What does he say? He says some he's stuff he's to her. He's playing the piano. Yeah, I forget. Oh, he's, uh, she's like, I feel young. And he's like, he, he caresses her very uh, menacingly. And he's, he's like, like, good. That's good. And he smells her hair. Just all kinds of ick going on there. 
So this is when it when it kind of gets hilarious because now Dasha wakes up. Yeah. Um, and of course freaks out because there's, she... a, there's a, the dead body of Addie there. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes up to the apartment to warn um, Noel, face Noel, mm-hmm. who's sitting on the piano by herself. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, you'll never believe it. Uh, you, you've got to come down. Addie's mm-hmm. Addie's dead." Uh, and then she sees and uh, sees that um, Noel is covered in blood. Yeah. Um, and then Noel starts trying to strangle her. Yeah. Um, she puts her on the couch and is strangling her and choking and her out. And somehow... They wind up on the floor through a tussle. Yeah, a tussle happens. The tables are turned. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, Chekhov's obsidian crystal... crystal comes into play. There's, comes it's into on the play. Uh, the girl grabs it and smashes uh, Noel in the face. And then... You see a flash of Epstein's face. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie is not subtle. No. I mean, <laughs> Epstein's face in this movie is basically like the face of the demon from The Exorcist where it just flashes quickly. Um, and then on, and then after that, the girl runs away and she goes to apparently the only other human being that she knows. <laughs> this is the funniest part. She goes to see Greg. Greg. And Greg's totally... <laughs> Greg, Greg's like flirting with this, uh, with a red, curly redhead. Who seems, I'm not going to lie, seems kind of young for him. And she says something, what does she say? Like, are my boobs too big? Yeah. Just, I've, I've seen I, that girl in something. I can't remember what it was. But, but um... Maybe I haven't. Maybe it's just a look. Mm-hmm. She bears a passing resemblance to Natasha Leone. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, what's her face from Six Feet Under? I can't. Oh, yeah. Lauren Ambrose. Thank you. But yeah, she, I mean, it's been established that she doesn't trust the authorities. Like, it was like, well, why don't you go to the cops with what you're finding? And she's like, we can't trust the cops, obviously, which fair enough. Mm-hmm. But, but the um, other thing, too, is like, don't you know any other human being in New York? Yeah. There's eight million people there. You should know at least one. You, you made no other friends? Like, a QAnon conspiracy person probably has a a, a bunch of people that she knows. But or no, she, knows. Goes, she goes to Greg, and, and mm-hmm. he rightly is like, I don't even know you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry guys, side note. I think uh, the girl who plays the redhead, Ruby McAllister, has probably the most acting credits of anyone in the film. She has 19. She was in The Deuce for an episode. Oh, that's which is probably, probably where you saw her. Yeah. Her, yeah. Um, she played Jesse, so she actually had a character name. Uh, trying to think about what else she would have done that people could have seen. She was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, I haven't watched uh, any of the later seasons. She was in Uncle Peckerhead, which is a movie I've heard about, <laughs> but I've never seen. Uh, she's in the TV show Search Party, which everyone talks about. But I really like Search Party. Cool. I haven't seen it. I hear good things. Something called Cinema Toast, and that's about it. Um, and then a bunch of other stuff. Um, but anyway, so we're reaching the end. So Greg comes. So with she's her. a New Yorker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's in all the New York shows. Except Curb Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's an LA show. But it's a. It's, yes. But otherwise, it's New York content. Yeah, New York all the way across. Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like when you realize you've seen every cast member of Orange Is the New Black and something, because they're all New York actors and they've probably been in like Law and Order, Sex and the City, and stuff. Um, back to this film though. So Greg, speaking of Sex in the City, <laughs> <laughs> zing, like Law and Order SVU. Yeah, did you just create a Law and Order Sex in the City type? <laughs> <laughs> Law and Order, just the horny one where yeah. it's like sex is good, but well, it's not sex crimes; it's sex goals. <laughs> <laughs> sex goals. Uh, this is falling apart fast. Um, <laughs> So we're almost there, guys. Yeah, so she so, she drags Greg back to the apartment. Yeah, and he's like, what's going on? And, like, of course, the and, apartment's the, been cleaned up. The scene where she, like, confronts him originally is funny because she can't, she can't even 
make coherent sense. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? She's just making sounds she's like, your girlfriend is dead. And then, of course. No, but it's literally unintelligible. Yeah. But she, she does. She does just, eventually enunciate your girlfriend is, is dead. dead, and then the girl's like, "You have a girlfriend," and you're like, <laughs> "Bummer." Yeah, and he's like, "What?" So he comes with her, and there's a really great shot. I, I got again love the cinematography in this film. There's a really, really, really great shot where they're running through. Like if you've been in a major city where there's construction going on, and they keep the sidewalk open but have to block off the construction site and also yeah, block yeah. off the street. You've been on it, like one of those corridors. Those, yeah, those wooden corridors where they're where they've got scaffolding mm-hmm. up, etc. And I, I think it looks like it might have been done on just like because it's a sixteen millimeter film, so I don't think you could have done it on a Ronin, but it could have been a Steadicam or it could have been. I'm praying just because like I love this stuff. I'm praying it was either done on a skateboard or a uh, wheelchair. That's what that's what I'm hoping it was done on, but I can't tell for sure. But it's a great shot. They get to the apartment. Of course, the apartment is pristine and cleaned. And then she's like, well, go down to the basement. And he's like, there's a basement? And she's like, you got to trust me. And so they get down to the basement, and his reaction is great. It's just like, oh, cool. It's a basement. Um, he basically doesn't trust her, and he leaves her alone. I mean, f- fair enough from his perspective. Yeah. He, he calls her. He's kind of insulting to her. but um, Yeah, he says some pretty terrible things. Um, but I, I, I really get the sense, and I'm not sure, but this sounds like... Mm-hmm. A Twitter response that uh, that um, Dasha may have even gotten. It sounds like that. Like I don't even know who you are. You're just some entitled idiot, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that the the blood in this film is very red. And then he leaves. Sorry, that was just another note that I made. Is that the blood in this film is very red, very jello reminiscent, and I like that. Where it's like because when you see the blood splatter, it's a very vibrant splatter. It's not some dark red black splatter that's weird things in uh, mean streets too and and the spoiler alert when robert de niro's character gets shot in the neck at the end Mm -hmm. just this this weird pink stuff that starts spurting out of it it's the stage blood that three so (laughs) 3m the company that invented duct tape used to produce stage blood and but the problem is they didn't they produced one kind of blood that looked good on stage but if you lit it certain ways it didn't look good which is where it would come out pink or pastel or look like crayons And so it's like it can look look good in certain areas, but like the thing is, you technically have to like alter blood formula for every different type of shot it's in, so that it looks good under certain lighting conditions. You made some good film, and we should bring up uh, how how much this film rips off uh, my Graham's feature films. I got it. I know it's it's weird because there's my well, my feature film is basically clearly clearly a direct rip off. Hang on, let's finish this. Let's finish our rundown. So she goes back upstairs. She's kind of freaking out, and then she finds the note from Eyes Wide Shut on the piano. And you're like, oh, just so on the nose. It's, but it's so it's, I love it's supposed it. Supposed to be in the extended eyes wide shut universe. I'm we guessing. assume, but it's just like, this is what's been happening since. Yeah, might maybe. I mean, the idea would be, I think, what as I, mm-hmm. I brought this up earlier, but I think Kubrick was kind of trying to nod to guys like Kubrick, uh, to Epstein rather, sorry, yeah. who was probably Kubrick was directly aware of Jeffrey Epstein because he was yeah. traveling in some very high profile circles mm-hmm. at the time. Jeffrey was yeah. hanging out with Bill Clinton all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but Kubrick was like, you know, kind of off in England with his family by himself. So he yeah, was just yeah. kind of like these freak, freaky weirdos. Everyone thinks I'm a weirdo because I just don't do press. Yeah, exactly. I'll show you. Um, it's, it's basically the Sidney Pollack character from Eyes Wide Yeah, Show. he kind of like, he's got an Epstein vibe to him. Mm. Anyways, and that was the, the scary, the scary <laughs> on 61st. Scary I always have to think like, is it the scary of 61st? The scary of 61st Street. The scary, the scary, of, no, the the scary, scary on 61st. It's, it's like a baby talk type thing. Yeah. It's a great 
I, I love this film, uh, but yeah, it totally ripped off my f- feature films, like Ossie, even though there's no way that the filmmaker could have seen it. You never know. Unless they went to the, the two festivals that have played at in the States. Maybe they did. Filmmakers try. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, my feature films, like Ossie. play in New York? No, it played in Detroit and it played somewhere else. I can't remember. But um, my feature films, like Ossie, was from 2017, and it was about a cult of satanic prostitutes that they would lure in actresses. Um, Yes, and then, I forget because we did film some of that well, in 20, we, 2013 we, and we, we filmed the majority of it in 2013 and then we did pick up stuff in 2015 and then it took me another year to finish it because post-production is hard folks especially when you got no money <laughs> just doing it all on my laptop even doing the sound effects was just me in my apartment just like banging around on stuff hell yeah it's going, good Foley in that film yeah uh, but then Josh Gillard, the actual sound mixer, took it all and was like, no, we're not going to use your stupid own sound. Well, I've got my own sound effects. I don't need you stomping around in your apartment. Um, shout out to, to Josh Gillard, the fantastic musician and sound mixer, who doesn't do sound anymore because he's like, it's it's and it is, it's the worst. Um but yeah, my film has some similarities, but uh, but uh, I'm 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 glad. Like I could, we could do a double feature of these two films. Um, I'd love I'd love to see that. Yeah. Me and Dash on stage, like, yeah. so what's your opinion on the blah, blah, blah conspiracy? And I'd just be like, what? You're both podcast hosts? <laughs> ah, it's scary how close we are. Um, <laughs> all right, so guys, final thoughts on the scary on 61st. Phil, go. I enjoyed it. Um, yes. <laughs> which, you know, watching the first five minutes, I thought like, oh God, am I going to hate this? I, I'm probably going to hate this. But no, I, <laughs> I settled in and... Uh, yeah, it was it was a ride, um, mm-hmm. to put it lightly. Yeah, it's it's so wrong and uh, so crude and janky and crass, but yeah, it's really enjoyable. Cool. Well, I had a time. I'm gonna watch this again because I didn't just rent the movie on iTunes. I bought it. On okay. ITunes. Wow. Yeah, you, you made the investment. We were there. You had the choice, and you're like, rent three ninety nine, buy eight ninety nine. So it's not like you. Yeah, broke the bank. Broke the bank, but you were like, eh, I might as well just buy it. Yeah, have it forever. Well, until iTunes doesn't license it anymore, and yeah, that's just gone. Because it's, it's not physical. But Phil, any more final thoughts on uh, the movie? Uh, no, I think that's basically it. Cool. All right, Kit, what are your final thoughts on The Scary on 61st? Similar to, to Phil, I was like, as the movie starts, I'm like, ooh, because the acting, I think the one thing, these are not professional actors, a lot of them. Uh, Dasha's probably actually turns in the best performance Yeah, there's performance a lot of, there. lot of double... She, she's like, clearly actually yeah. done some acting training. But mm-hmm. uh, pretty much everybody... Oh, Addie wasn't too bad, although... She's a real... Well, she, she's, I don't want to say she's, she's a real actress, but she's an actress. She's actress. an actress. She's an aspiring actress. But it, her character is forced to go to such goofy places that it almost uh, undercuts the performance. Sorry, her character is an aspiring actress. The actual actress who played They're Addie... They're both expired, yeah. No, no, she's, she's a working actress. She's a working actress. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. She's, she is acting, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No longer aspiring. No, um, but uh, but those are the only two good performances. Every everything else is very like it's you got your friends to do a decent line reading after a few takes of of this one thing. You can kind of tell that these aren't professional actors, is what I'm saying. Um, and just yeah, with with sort of the vibe and a bit of the dialogue, I was I was really unsure to begin with, but it's such a, I mean, as a comedy, I think it works. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's great. Sorry, um, Betsy Brand, who plays Eddie, she actually has the most credits out of any, anyone in the film. There you go. Oh, she was in the movie Assholes. Oh, from 2017. I, I did not know that one. Yeah. So any other final thoughts there, Kit? 
I, I don't have, I don't know enough. I've never gone down the Epstein uh, rabbit hole to know enough about mm-hmm. the ins and outs of that uh, that case. Yeah, uh, it's like one of those things where it's like they're never going to let you know for sure what the hell mm-hmm. happened there. It's like JFK. It's like nothing adds up here, but you're never going to know. So yeah. it seems like a like a, a train to brain damage just mm-hmm. to uh, try and figure it out. Try to figure that out, which is kind of what this yeah. film is about. It's um, interesting. This film never mentions Trump once, and I mean that's also because like the biggest thing about when Epstein came when the whole thing about Epstein happened, I was like, there you go, there's your conspiracy. And the Clintons are involved, and Trump, and everyone was like, oh no, Trump's not involved. He's the one that's going to save us from it. Well, yeah, Trump had something where he actually legitimately kicked Jeffrey out of a club of his. In, uh, you can kind of look this up, There's, there seems to be a bit of truth to it, but it, it seems more like Trump was like aware that this could be bad business to him. I don't think Trump's actually really interested in sex anyway. Um, uh, but he I doesn't... Think, uh, not, it's, not it's, lately, but I think in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows if he if he ever was? Yeah, uh, maybe he was. I mean, he I think famously he just paid power. off Stor- Stormy Daniels, so and he bought he paid for Stormy. Yeah, Daniels yeah. So it's it's about power, though. I think mm-hmm. for him. So I mean, he probably dabbled, but then I was like, I should make a public distancing of myself. Maybe he might have been media savvy enough to do that. Despite the fact he later on said that Jeffrey Epstein was a good friend of was his. was a good friend of his. Yeah, I mean, and then he changed and said I barely knew him. And then, yeah. then he wished, like, what's her name, Maxwell, good luck with her trial <laughs> while he was still president. <laughs> But I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know enough about that. What you mm-hmm. you get the sense of just looking at that stuff with Clinton and uh, Trump being involved is like, oh yeah, all the uh, the ruling elites are just awful, awful mm-hmm. people, um, and we're not in good hands by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. So, any further final thoughts? <laughs> no, I've got nothing. Okay, um, <laughs> my final thought. Um, it's gonna be real fun trying to edit this podcast. I I do uh, uh, agree with you. What you what you were saying is that I hope Dasha continues to make movies. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Uh, my final thought is I just love this film. It's I don't know why because it's so, so, so in such such bad taste. Like when Addie starts dressing up like the seventeen year old girl that was trafficked to, to Prince Andrew. I'm just like, this is so wrong. But it's 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 almost corny bad taste. It's, that's, it's that's so the over the top that it's like, oh, yeah. oh come on, this is goofy. I know. When she's like thrusting her crotch into the teacup and stuff yeah, like that. It's, very... it's like well, what are we doing here? Yeah, listeners, this movie's a wild <laughs> ride. A wild ride. Anyways, yeah, I love it. I, I I'm happy that I spent the twelve ninety nine to digitally purchase the license to watch this movie some more. Um it's it's one of those things like they don't make them like this anymore. Although apparently Ruggiero Dio. Apparently they do. Apparently they do. But apparently also a few years ago, Ruggiero Dio Dotto did a a movie on the Amanda Knox scandal in Italy, which was just oh, like, wow. okay. which was just, for those who don't know, Ruggiero Dio Dotto directed Cannibal Holocaust and basically was saying like, no, everything you read in every tabloid in Italy about Amanda Knox is true. She was a devil worshiper who killed her friends. And just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man. I And I'm like. Because if there's one thing you can trust, it's the Italian press. Especially Ruggiero Diodato's interpretation of it, but I want to see that movie too now because it's it seems like glorious trash. This movie is glorious trash, and I don't know why I like it. I'm probably I probably am a very sick person who's way into the UK. <laughs> Although I'm not I'm not actually not way into the UK at all. Um, so, anyways, uh, guys, we're gonna be starting our uh, Abel Ferreira series next week officially with Driller Killer, which we recorded before this. So some of our references are gonna be out of date. There's probably gonna be a lot of RIPs that like people who've been dead for a while. Well, not. But that they're long. still dead, so you know they'll still be. Yeah. they're still dead now, and they were yeah. dead then. Yeah. All right, guys. But uh, uh, yeah, that Prince Andrew had a, a handsome smile, though, didn't he? 
cutting that right out. <laughs> um, all right, so for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Graham. I've been Graham saying keep watching amazing movies. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Put your hands up.